Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Hey, in your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews, I mean, excuse me, chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. I want to talk about this today, an eternal salvation. There are pastors out there and, and theologians that say it's not eternal. I don't understand that. And because they say you can lose your salvation. Well, number one, I got nothing to do with my salvation other than being a sinner. Y'all all right? That's deep theology right there, y'all. The only part I had in this entire covenant with God for my salvation is this. I'm the sinner. The rest of it is all based upon him. The rest of it is all based upon the fact that his blood was shed and it washed over me and it cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And by the way, I cannot do anything that's more powerful than that blood. So I'm going to tell you today that it's an eternal salvation, but I want to tell you how it works. We get to this point in chapter 9, and we just finished up chapter 8 talking about that Jesus is a better priest um, than those, and, the, and he's the better mediator, and we have this new covenant that's better than the old covenant. In verses 1 through 10 in chapter 9, just sort of expound a little bit more on that truth that the new covenant is better. And then we get to verse 11. And it begins to expound upon why. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Let's stand at the reading of God's Word. Starting in verse 11 in Hebrews chapter 9, he begins to talk about this eternal salvation, or as it literally says here, our eternal redemption. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered. If you write in your Bibles, underline this. Once for all. So very important. Into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of, I'm going to deal with this, and this is important, his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death that has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. 
Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Father, Lord, we love you. God, we praise you. And God, help us to understand that our salvation is based on, is kept by the power of your blood. God, we love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I love it when God works. I saw that Miss Pat had put on Facebook that she wanted to sing songs about the blood today. And I just sort of giggled, Miss Pat, and I'm like, well, that's what I'm preaching on is the blood of Jesus today. And there's some interesting truths. I'm going to give you some Greek words today, and we're going to, I'm going to really show you some things about why this blood was as powerful as it really is. Okay, notice I didn't say was because it's just as powerful today as it was the day that he shed it there on Calvary. So let's just jump in. How did this eternal redemption, now keep that in your mind, this thought of eternal redemption, this thought of eternal salvation, how did it come? So the first point is this, the way it came. How did we get to that point? Once and for all. That means it never, I didn't give y'all something this morning, Kim, so I, I included two things together. Once for all means that it never has to happen again. He's going to really get into that subject in chapter 10, and I'm going to deal some with that next week. That Remember, in the temple, there were no chairs where the priests worked. Priests were not allowed to sit down. Their work was never done. Yet Jesus, when he died at Calvary, and he rose again on the third day, and then after the 40 days when he was ascended to heaven, <coughs> and he walked into the Holy of Holies, and he walked then into the, where the throne room of God and he sat down because his sacrifice was once for all. He has to do no more work. He doesn't need to die again. He doesn't have to shed any more blood. He didn't have to do anything. It was once for all. Now, what did that do? So that word securing is the important. That's what I didn't say this morning. I didn't make that connection this morning. It is just, so then he secured. Now, your translation may say he obtained. Now, what does that mean? It's a specialized word in the Greek. It, it means to find or to come upon, to discover. And it means your, your, the stress in this is this, is the seeking to find. Jesus found and obtained salvation for you and I by his bone blood. Now, it's said and it's spoken of here in the middle voice. That means he didn't have an angel understand it. He didn't have anybody else that he himself decided that that was the only thing in all of eternity, in all of space, in all of the heavens, in all of the earth. That is the one thing that could secure eternal redemption and salvation for me and you. He sought and he looked based upon the standard that he set, which was perfection. There was nothing else. And so he found it and he secured it. The need, and I wrote down, I said, the need for justice was satisfied. Now I'm going to give you a big $5 churchy word right here, and then I'm going to explain it. Here's the word, substitutionary atonement. Here's what he realized, and he knew. He didn't realize it because he don't realize anything. He knows everything. This is what he knew. Someone had to die for me and you. That's the truth. Someone had to die for me and you. Someone, something, somehow, something had to do something because we are sinners. Hello, y'all with me? Two sinners make a sinner. I was laughing this morning. I said, even I've got, you know, I've got four grandchildren now. 
and um, uh, they're just so precious and they're so wonderful, you, you know, and I know you have yours and they're so precious and they're so wonderful, but here's the truth about them. They're sinners. Now, uh, contrary to what some say, they don't become a sinner when they commit their first sin. They're born sinners. That's why when they're little, uh, you might, you know, you know my great illustration on this. You know, there's, you're about to eat dinner and a mom will look down at this sweet little child and say, now listen, don't eat that cookie before dinner. And mom goes about doing whatever, cooking dinner, walks out of the room, it comes back and the cookie is missing. And there's that little baby, has got chocolate right there on his lip because it don't understand it and on his hands and it's everywhere. And the mama just says, did you eat that cookie? No, ma'am, me not eat no cookie. You know, I didn't have to teach my two kids to lie. Got that. Nor did you have to teach yours. That comes naturally because that's out of their sin nature. What I had to teach them was to tell the truth. You see, we're just all sinners. And so we needed someone to die for us. We needed someone that would be a substitute for us. So, that, so Jesus said this, although he's the mighty judge, and this is sort of how it plays out. He being the great and mighty judge, when it was coming down to it, and when you and I, when we sin, ultimately Jesus basically stepped off the throne of judgment, came down beside of us, and said, I'll take the wrath. I'll take the nails. And then Jesus Christ himself, the one who knew no sin, became sin for you and I. And so now he's taking the punishment. You don't believe me? Would you flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Let's walk through that real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Theological circles, this is known as the great exchange. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and look at verse 21. The Bible says this, for our sake. Let me give you another little tidbit of truth here. You don't add anything. Well, Kim, here we go. I'm going to make it again for all the world to hear. Here's the second thing y'all drive me crazy with on Facebook. We all know the first thing. Some of y'all are going to get so mad at me. I'm going to get some death threats after this. Why do I do this, Miss Pat, to myself? You know, the first thing is somebody passes away that we love, and what will we write on Facebook? Heaven gained another angel. No, no, it didn't. God has all the angels he needs. A saint went to glory. And by the way, if you say that your loved one became an angel, you are lowering them. We are higher than the angels in glory. Hello, y'all with me? I can prove that biblically. We are, right now, we're a little lower than the angels, but in glory, we will be higher than the angels. And here's the second thing y'all say. Some of y'all gonna get so mad at me. Heaven's a little sweeter because grandma's there. Honey, heaven not sweet called grandma there. Heaven sweet calls Jesus there. 
Hello. We, we don't make heaven no sweeter. It's sweet because God is there. I, under, I understand the thought, but y'all, that is just re- bad theology. I get the principle, but please stop. It's not sweeter because our loved one, it would be like my wife had a miscarriage. You got, so I should be so well, heaven's sweeter because my two babies are in heaven now. My two babies are in heaven, yes, but that didn't make heaven no sweeter because it don't get no sweeter than Jesus Christ. He's the almighty God. He makes heaven, heaven. So anyway, for our sake, we don't add nothing to God. God don't need Hank, and God don't need you. He was just fine by himself out in eternity past. For our sake, here it is, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, that's the key, in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's what that verse is literally saying, that Jesus Christ went, and think about this, Jesus went to the cross, and at that moment when he died for us, the entire sin of all creation was upon him. You wonder why he was sweating blood in the garden of Gethsemane? He knew what was coming. He had the sin of all the world, of all time, not just my past sins, but my present sins, my future sins, and by the way, the sins of even the ones who would never come to him as Lord and Savior. He had all the sin of all the world, of all the time, laid upon him at Calvary. So that now, when he looks at the cross, he sees Hank when he's dealing with my salvation. It was as if Hank died on that cross. Remember? Substitutionary atonement. In other words, imputation. He imputed my sins to Jesus in that moment. Jesus carried the sins. He didn't become sin. As it were. And now when he sees Hank, he sees Jesus. Isn't that a great thing? So yeah, he became sin in that he had to sin upon him. Jesus was not a sinner ever. Don't say that. So that now we get to become the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How awesome is that deal? That's for your sake. And by the way, the only way you can get into heaven is by the righteousness of Jesus because your sins have been washed away. There's no other way to get there. So this brought about our redemption. So go back. So see there? It secured what? An eternal redemption. The word redemption means a receipt of a ransom. It means to redeem, to liberate by means of a ransom. So why do we need to be ransomed? Because we're sinners. Sinners cannot enter the portal of heaven. You can, I don't care. You know, there's a, there's a, thought out there. Well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe in it fully, with full faith. Absolutely a straight lie from the very pit of hell. Because my Bible says, there's none other name given under heaven by which one can be saved except the name of Jesus. Preacher, what do you mean? That means the Muslims don't get to go to heaven. That means the Confucianists don't get to go to heaven. That means any other thing other than Christianity you don't get to go. Well, don't you think that's an exclusive-minded and that's your sort of narrow-minded preacher? I've been accused of this. Don't you think that you sort of, uh, listen, no, that's wide open. 
Y'all, y'all with me? It's as what? Listen, anybody can come. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. How awesome is that truth? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world. He didn't just love a few. Am I right, Danny? He didn't just love a few. He loved everybody. That includes you in your sin right now. He loved you. And as long as you got breath, you got a chance to come to know him as Lord and Savior. Preacher, does that mean that he would, that if Hitler had to come to know him as Lord and Savior, he, he could have been forgiven? You don't understand the power of that blood. That's why it's eternal, because it's not based on us. We are born slaves of sin. Jesus paid your ransom. Some of you might be here today. I don't know. I'm looking around there. I know this is one of those weeks that we got a bunch of people at the beach and the mountains and here and yonder. Go tell it on the mountain, whatever. And they're gone. But here's, and I don't know a bunch of you guys up in here, but here's the truth. You sitting here today never accepted Jesus. I want you to know that there's a person in this world that loved you more than your mama, more than your daddy, and his name is Jesus, and he died for you. Let me tell you how he did it, too. First, flip over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Well, preacher, you talk about this ransom. How, how did it happen? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says this, knowing that you were ransomed, there's that same word, from the feudal ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. And by the way, you're not going to get to heaven because you tithes. Yeah, you should want to give as a result of your relationship with Jesus. Yes, indeed. You're not going to get to heaven because you sat in a Baptist pew for weeks and months and years upon years. That don't get you there either. You don't even get there because your mom and daddy were saved. You get there because you have a relationship with Jesus. You, you guys don't. Here, here's the greatest picture. You guys know they used to do this, and most folk, as I know, don't do this now. But you get ready to bring your wife, your new, your newly married, and you come into your home for the very first time, and you have to, uh, you're going to cross the threshold, right, into your house, and you pick your bride up, you carry them across the threshold. You know that that's what you got to do with Jesus, right? Except He carries you. Have you ever crossed the threshold with Jesus and accepted Him as Lord and Savior? but with the precious blood of Christ. Salvation is free, but it wasn't cheap. It cost God himself his very life. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Oh, what truth. So why was the cross necessary? Because we talk about the cross, right? The cross was the means to get to the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So as his blood poured out, salvation was bought for all that would come. And I noticed the word, and I just go on this word, notice the word eternal. Now, if you're sitting here today and you think, well, I can lose my, my salvation. Okay, that's good for you. You crazy, but that's good for you if you want it to be. Whatever. You can live in that fear. My salvation is based upon Jesus. You see, for those that say that I can lose my salvation, you have eternal probation. 
that you could lose it. Ain't that what probation, if you break probation, you lose probation, you got to go back to jail. You don't get to go back to be a slave no more. When I come to Jesus, it's eternal redemption, not eternal probation. So that's the way it came. But here's the work of the way. What happened when he came? <coughs> oh, this is good stuff right here. So what is it about the blood of Jesus? What is it, preacher? And I know some of you are probably going, and there, there's a thought out there, man. They're going, oh, I don't understand why preachers preach on the blood of Jesus. Oh, what you going to preach on to get to heaven then? Be like some of them books out there today. Have a new kid by Friday. Don't waste your money. Only way you have a new kid by Friday is they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That'd be a one-page book. 14 ways to be a better you. <laughs> be a better... Here's what we don't understand. You're not good. You're not good. I know some of you, it's the first time you've ever been told that. What do you mean I'm not good? You're not. You are a sinner. Matter of fact, I'll go a step further. You are a hellion. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. But I do good things. Who cares? That doesn't make you good. Good people go to hell every minute. Let that sink in. You keep thinking you're going to earn your way to heaven, it ain't going to happen. Let me tell you about the blood. The blood worked because of whose it was. Notice this little statement here. I told you to underline it. By means of his own blood. Now, there are two words that they could have used in the Greek to say by his own blood. The first word they could have used was autos, A-U-T-O-S. And that just means it by means of his blood. It literally means by means of his blood. But the writer of Hebrews did not want you just to think that it was just by means of his own blood. He wanted to add a little bit to it. And so he used this word, I-D-I-O-S, idios. And here's what that means. It means a personal, private, unique ownership. His blood was different from mine and your blood. Now, was it blood? Yes. But it was a powerful cleansing blood. There is power, power wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. See, his blood was different in that he didn't have the blood of a mama and a daddy. He had the blood of the mama, but the daddy was in heaven. So something was different because it was, per here's what the difference was, it was perfect blood, unstained by sin, undefiled by sin. It was perfect from the very minute of his birth. Listen, I wrote down, I said it wasn't just that it was his blood. It was the type of ownership of that blood. Flipping your Bibles to John chapter 5. I got it right this time, Kim. John chapter 5. You ever wondered why the Jews really wanted to kill him when all he said was, I and the Father are one, and he talked about God. But the Jews would also say that God was their father. Why is it that they got so mad when Jesus said he was his father? He wasn't quoting anything that the Jews had not said. Here's why. John chapter 5, and look at verse 18. 
This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. Now, if we read that in the English, we go, okay, well, the Jews said that he was their own father too. What's the big deal? The word for his own right there is I-D-I-O-S. A private, unique ownership that was completely different from the fatherhood of God with him than it was with the Jews. Here's what he was saying. You guys have this by a Old Testament covenantal relationship. He's my father because he's actually my father. Here's what he's saying. Listen, he's saying, you guys can say it because you follow the law and you want him to be that daddy that way by adoption. He's my daddy by birth completely different his blood was blood but it was uniquely different in that it was perfect his blood washes away your sin because he was and absolutely is unique never gonna be enough that's why that's why he says in the in the mount all of it he says Man, don't listen. If they say, here's a Jesus, or there's a Jesus, or this is a Jesus, like, what was that dude, that, that dude, that crazo, down in Waco, Texas, David Koresh? He won't Jesus. He was some dude that had a Jesus complex. If somebody got to tell you they Jesus, they not. Okay? We all straight on that little tidbit of information. If I got to stand here and say, I'm Jesus, by the way. No, you're not. So, so he says that. So it states that God was this different, unique relationship. Because, and that made Jesus 100% God and 100% man. And so the reason his blood was different, because in his humanity, he was sinless. We are not. And in his person, he was deity, which made him sinless. And then the why it worked. Because it, go back and look at verse, I have verse, supposed to be verse, what am I saying? Yeah, verse why it worked, verse 14. How much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, that word through is the key. It was by this one who made it happen. Then me going, well, what's the big deal about this word through? Let me tell you this. You know, in the Old Testament, you guys remember, it did not cleanse away the, the sins, they would just sort of lift up a carpet and sweep it under there. You know, like you got visitors that you didn't see. and you just, The dirt not gone. It's still up under that carpet, right? So that's what the old covenant did. Because, see, these animals in and of themselves, how could they forgive your sins? How could they cleanse your sin away? I mean, could you imagine? So we're pulling this goat, and it's the Day of Atonement, and the high priest looks down at the goat and says, Hey, goat, are you willingly offering yourself? And that goat would go, Meh. So then you got to have a translator who spoke in tongues to say, yeah, the goat just said, yeah. He That's not what happens. They just bring the goat. He killed the goat. And it covers the sin. That goat was unblemished according to the Levitical law ceremonially. 
we needed a lamb that was clean all the time because of his person and his character. Go to John chapter 10. And that could willingly lay it down. Notice what he said in verse 17. For this reason, the father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, the authority to take it up. This charge I received from my father. Unlike the animal, he could willingly do this. He knew exactly what he was doing. And then let's go a little step further. Go to Revelation chapter 5. This is the, what it brought about. Then I saw on the right hand of him, this is verse 1, seated on the throne, a scroll written on the back, sealed with seven seals, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lamb of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. How did he conquer? By his death and resurrection. And he looked like a lamb who had been slain. So what do we get if we do all this? What happens if we have all this? If we understand that it's the blood of Jesus and we understand it's the blood of Jesus because it's unique. And it's different, and he is the one that willingly did it. You get this eternal inheritance. Everybody loves it. I mean, you, before inheritance, somebody's got to die. Well, Jesus died. It says that promised eternal inheritance. Let me describe to you what that's going to be. Now, if you want to get in-depth, go listen to Mosaic of Mary a few weeks ago. We go in detail about these things. But go to First Peter chapter 1. Let me tell you what they are. That inheritance that's waiting for you, let me give you three words that describes it. Number one, it's imperishable. That means we get out in heaven, that reward that's waiting for us, it will never be corrupted. It will never be subject to death. It'll never be subject to destruction. Do you understand that when you get your glorified body, you have that body for all eternity and you'll never ache. You'll never have a pain. You'll never have heartburn. You'll never have bad ankles, bad knees, bad arms. You'll never have heart attacks. You won't hear any more of cancer. Praise God. You'll never have more dementia or Alzheimer's. You'll never have any sickness. There'll be no more MS. There'll be no more anything. There will only be perfection in your health. There'll be unblemished. Second, it'll be undefiled, or imperishable, sorry. Undefiled, untainted, unpolluted. Three steps of salvation, it speaks to it. You know, the moment of salvation is called justification. That means you no longer have to face the penalty of sin. At the moment you say yes, you don't have to go to hell. How about that? And then you have the next step of salvation is sanctification. You no longer have to sit under the power of sin. And see, this is where the flesh is involved. Understand the things that you do in the flesh, you do mainly because you want to do them. You have the power to say that. So people say, I just can't stop. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. The problem is you're not willing to surrender to the lordship of Jesus. Hello? Oh, you're willing to come to Jesus as Lord and Savior, 
<laughs> but are you willing to submit to the lordship of Jesus so that he rules and reigns in your life? And then third is glorification. When you get to heaven, you're taken away from the very presence of sin. Isn't that be a cool thing? You don't wake up in the mornings and have no negative thoughts about nobody. Like some of you guys right now having bad thoughts about me in this sermon. You won't have those in heaven. You won't have no more lustful thoughts. You won't have no more wrong cravings. You won't struggle with pride anymore. You'll wake up in perfection for all eternity. Well, you won't. I don't think you're going to sleep because it's all day. There's no night there. And then the last one is unfading. It'll never wear off. When we've been there 10,000 years, it'll be as a... You guys remember your favorite Christmas gift? Do you guys remember? I mean, I'm talking your favorite Christmas gift you ever got. I was 11, I think. Kevin, I wanted, I mean, I wanted a dirt bike. Some kind of bad, man. That's all I talked about, dirt bike, dirt bike. Christmas morning, y'all know little Hank back there, man, in his little PJs. Little Hank went sleeping. I get up about five thirty, all the way down the hall. All I wanted was his dirt bike, and there sat a helmet. I'm like, excuse my language here. What the crap, man? I went the world. I'll never forget my dad said, well, boy, couldn't afford it this year. Maybe next year Santa Claus will bring you the dirt bike. I said, a year? No, I want that mess. I mean, one of the worst mornings at Christmas. I'm like, what, the, what is this? Open up, you got all these other presents. My mom was going, come on, son, just open up your presents. Come on, son, I'm going to. So here it is, you know how you open them up, you just go. I'm telling y'all, man, I was mad. Then mama said, well, let's go in the kitchen. I'm going to cook us some breakfast. What do I eat? And I'm like, I don't even want to eat. I'm going back to my room. This is terrible. My dad said, boy, you going in that kitchen. You guys know how it is. There it was. It was like the light of heaven shining on it. Da, da, da. It was magnificent. David, it was a Yamaha YZ80. It had that power, man. Boy, I reckon the third day it tore all to pieces. <laughs> Y'all. Third, Paige beat me by two days. Paige said, wrecked this. For I wrecked mine third, tore it flat all to pieces. My mama told me if I wrecked it, she was going to take it from me. So when I came pushing that, that thing, or the handlebars were like this, and it was going, my dad was going, get it in the shed before your mama's knees, boy. The magnificence, I tell you all this, not to just be funny, but I tell you this, the magnificence wore off in literally three days. I mean, that sucker was bent up from that moment on. 
You get to heaven, the magnificence of that first moment never wears out. How about that, y'all? That moment when you first, when you first see Jesus, oh, come on, y'all. When you see the glory, that Shekinah glory, and you see the power and the wonder, and you now you're in perfection. When you see all that, it never gets better, but it never gets worse. And it is for all eternity that you live that way. How powerful is that? Hey, don't live for this world. Some of you are putting all of your, your talent and all of your time and all of your treasure in all of your mess here that just gets messed up within three days. The blood of Jesus washes you clean and it'll stay that way for all eternity when you get there. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. Everything breaks. Everything breaks. Matter of fact, I'm about told about everything I got. My daddy bought a new truck. I wrecked that in about a week. That was a little bit worse of a problem than my motorbike. Paige, don't even get talking about your wrecks, brother. <laughs> but I would be remiss if I tell you all that about the blood today but I don't tell you what the blood does. So you may say, what's all this about? Well, the title was eternal salvation. There's some of you sitting here today, you've never made that decision for Jesus. If you were to draw your last breath right now, and by the way, you are only literally one heartbeat away. We were at Fuge, right outside the guy's dorm, there's this bench in memory of Scott Chalice. 20-year-old was at Southern Seminary at Bryce College. I know you guys, you probably didn't pay no attention to that little seat there. 20 years old. Was out at the quad. All the teenagers that went to Fuji you know where the quad was and the adults. Out at the quad... Him and his fiance and some of their friends were kicking a soccer ball. In the midst of kicking that soccer ball at the age of 20, he fell dead. His heart just quit. No other medical history, no medical problems, not on any medicine. His heart just quit. Do you know that does happen? I know a lot of people say, oh, you just say that to scare me. I've got all my life. You have no clue when your race is going to end. I thought my daddy had many more years to live and he dropped dead. Don't wait. And here's all it takes to have an eternal salvation. Number one, admit who you are, a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Admit it. Just understand it. You're not good. Matter of fact, at your very core, you're bad. 
Second, you got to believe in Jesus. Believe that he is from eternity past to he is God himself, but he stepped out of heaven. He robed himself in flesh and blood. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. No sin whatsoever. Died on a cross, shed his blood, and rose again on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And then you just say, yes, I believe, and I want you, Jesus, to be Lord of my life. That's what it takes. Anybody tells you any different, they're wrong, period. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. For if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Question is today, where are you at in your eternal salvation? Do you have it or do you not? And by the way, don't look at me and say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. I had said anything about your problem today other than you're just a sinner that God wants to save. Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.